people deluded i'm back again good morning and i hope you're all doing well and safe on this friday morning i say friday morning i'm well aware that you know i have a lot of supporters all over the globe so appropriate greetings to you whoever you are wherever you are and whenever particular time period you're coming um aware of becoming aware better yet of this podcast so yeah what can i say people you know i'm people deluded i'm back again you know once again thank you very much for you know returning for another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast the really and truly podcast you know we normally do this twice a week it normally happens on a monday reviewing the premier league games and then on a friday it's only on a tuesday if there's action on the monday so the next installment installment of this will be next monday people so please make sure you're paying attention um unless there's any changes but yeah people thank you very much for 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 being here and things like that please make sure you're following me across all my socials deluded guna 04 and everything you know please follow me on clubhouse or instagram if to do nothing more um yeah what can i say it's been a crazy week for football people it's been a mad week it's been a mad week you know obviously this week we have to really focus on the champions league you know there's been two european competitions there's even been a premier league game or games with all due respect to fulham and burnley i don't think unless you're a supporter of those clubs you was watching that game this week but the champions league man you know it's the end of uh, listen i don't want to say end of an era because things can happen in it if if cristiano ronaldo and messi go through to the latter stages of the competition what's said but i think it's an end of an era man i think this week this week symbolized and again you know you can't assume that i'm killing mbappe or harland are going to win the trophy but definitely when it turns into being poster boys of the sport time catches up with everybody you know messi's still messi ronaldo is still ronaldo you know they've only fallen off by their their own standards and they're still going to be central figures and be uh, be among the best players in the world or the best evers and all the statistics to match until they call it a day but I think it's the end of an era, man. You know, when I was watching the both all the Champions League games, it dawned on me that I um I think Juventus are but I'd rather have Juventus' squad than Barcelona's, bar the individuals, but it hit me that both of these teams both of these players, sorry, and Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, they're not at the best teams in Europe. Now, typically, they make the teams the best teams in the Europe in Europe, but exclude them, you know, are Juventus the best team in Europe? They have a they have a you know, in ink they have a they have a shout, arguably, but they're probably not. Um, you know, I think we'd all agree PSG probably not either. So it dawned on me that both of them are no longer at the big clubs. And I look around them, they've got quality players, but they ain't really got the quality players to match. I do think in Ronald Koeman and Perlo, they've got two managers that are out of their depth. Now, Perlo, he's always got time to change and evolve. But right now, in relation to Perlo, whenever I watch Juventus, even in the group stages of games, they've had to grab late goals, you know, in, 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 in Italy as well. Very rarely have I seen Juventus this season have a complete performance or win convincingly you know i don't really understand what perlo's doing don't understand the deployment of um, mckenny in the in in that sort of left left wing role inverted midfield role reluctance to use the baller cristiano ronaldo even isolated in that game on top of that there's no link between midfield and and, and attack it was pretty wolf when and you know perlo's a quality player but you was a quality midfielder why is then why don't we know what we're getting from midfield in juventus you know, tactically, I don't think he's the man. And to be fair with you, you know, Allegri and Sarri were sacked for less. So we'll see how this one develops. I love Perlo as a footballer, so I'd love him to turn it around. But I think he's out of his depth um, at Juventus. Credit to Porto because Porto had a game plan. They worked very hard. They managed the game. Obviously, I don't like to say luck because I'm fair. They got a bit of fortune with Juventus early on switching off. You saw it, you know. Porto had a game plan, and they caught they caught Juventus cold in the early moments of the first and second half. So they they go into the you know they go into the next round, next game. Sorry, the second leg with with all with with, with a good chance. The only saving grace you could say from Juventus is courtesy of Chiesa. They got an away goal. Now I'd back Juventus to score at their place and turn it around. But if it stays, you know, if if Juventus win one 0 they go through on away goals. People obviously Porto if they score in that game, it complicates matters. Um, I don't think Perlo can account for silly mistakes. Like I believe Bentacore is a very good midfielder, but that was it between him and Chesney. It was a stupid mistake. You can't factor in those. But tactics is down to Perlo. But yeah, man, Cristiano Ronaldo's side lost two one against um, Porto. I mean against Juventus uh, for Juventus. Cristiano Ronaldo lost two one for Juventus against Porto. If we move over to probably the marquee game of this week, and it didn't disappoint. PSG defeated Barcelona four goals to one. We'll get on to Haaland. 
And Messi did score a penalty. Messi did play okay in stages, but I did think Messi and Barca just quickly deteriorated. I did think at a point PSG were the better team on the day, but Barca weren't far behind. Then I think Barca just fell off a cliff and, you know, PSG just kept their same fight and intent. You know, no Di Maria, no Neymar, no Neymar, Kylian Mbappe rose to the occasion, you know. Flag bearer, star boy, you know, doppied Messi at his own backyard, told him I'm here now. You know, Kylian Mbappe is a quality player and has shown he's a quality player and he's only going to get better. And it's scary, you know, the, for me, it's the technical level, the little, little, you know, he's a bit like Henri, man, like the little, you know, he's a, running at you is a scary sight. He's quick. He can turn in an instant. You saw PK pulling his shirt out of him many times, the way he was evading challenges. He's almost a bit like, he's a bit... I think indirectly playing with Neymar has helped Mbappe, man, because he's a bit. I'm seeing a bit more individual qualities from him. I do think since he's been on the big stage, you know, I do think not that he's hidden, but I don't think he's always shown that, and it's starting to come out of him, you know, with the with the World Cup and this, you know, and with being the main sort of man at PSG for a couple of years now, give or take. You know, we already knew he was a star boy and Mbappe was born for this. These are the moments that were decided way before he could even comprehend what football was, that this was going to be part of his destiny. To score a hat-trick at the New York Camp is, camp is things of dreams, you know. He's ruthless. You know, he don't give a crap. Like, the, the last finish, what a finish. And that's, that's that healthy arrogance I love. He knew that was going in top bins. What a player Kylian Mbappe is. You know, Haaland, unfortunately, we'll get on to Haaland. But, you know, I think these two are the flag bearers. You know, how long can Kylian Mbappe stay at PSG and evade the clutches of Real Madrid and these sort of teams there? I don't know. Because I think Real Madrid should be doing all they can to bring in Kylian. I even think Neymar, I mean, Barcelona should as well. But if I'm Mbappe... Do you want to leave yet? Yeah? I guess how PSG advance in the latter stages of the Champions League, because it's still a lot to do. It's only 4-1. We've seen comebacks happen, you know, has a lot to do with it. But, you know, if Neymar signs a new deal, you know, Pochettino, you've got to give credit to tactically, you know, Paredes, he's been given a new lease of life over Pochettino. I think they tactically done Barcelona beyond the obvious there. So you've now got a manager that might be able to take you one step further than Tuchel. Neymar probably signed a new deal. There's talk of Messi joining, even Ronaldo. There's, you'd imagine PSG signed a couple more tugs in this thing. So does Mbappe have any reason to leave? And he's still in his early 20s, you know? Such is such as his meteoric rise and whatnot and he's been around what when did when did Monaco have that team 2016-17 could even be wrong on that he's only in his early 20s the man's won the World Cup he will win the Champions League I do think me personally I would like to see Mbappe at Barca or Madrid but I'm happy with him at PSG I would love to see him in the Prem but it's not going to be at Arsenal so no I don't I don't but the man's a, a legend you know I can't speak and wax lyrical enough of killing Mbappe you saw it we saw history people we saw we knew he was a quality player and I, I'm not going to say he hasn't announced himself but I think in relation to playing at that higher level that uh, that upper echelon of football that sort of maverick I think you saw this week Haaland and more so Mbappe because of the stature of the game you know with the two teams announced himself in that regards and I think we saw a passing of the guards you know time catches up with everyone Messi and Ronaldo can't be up there forever you know it's it, we've got to enjoy them people because you know to have Messi or Ronaldo in one generation is crazy and, and we have both so I think whether you think Ronaldo's better Messi's better you have to admire what both have done I don't think we truly have comprehended the amount of ability the ability them two individuals have had to perform at this level and will only come to miss that in the next 20, 20 years. Only God knows if Haaland and Mbappe will be able to, you know, do what these lot were doing in their prime. You know, Messi, I don't think anyone will touch Messi, prime Messi. Like, listen, Messi's still a bad boy, but, you know, Messi, prime Messi, I don't think I'll see a player like that in my lifetime. Um, but Kylian Mbappe, I mean, he's a lovely footballer, man. You know, I think he's going to, you know, he reminds me a bit of R9 and Thierry Henry and, this is why he's my new favourite player. Him and Neymar, it's no secret. I always say, look, they're my two favourite players in the game right now, you know. So it was a fantastic result. Absolutely fantastic result, really. And truly, you know, there was some good... It was a good good game of football. I think both teams were breaking. Well, even Barcelona, there was a good patches, you know. Um, Dembele should have scored. Dembele sort of deteriorated as the game went on. You know, Messi put home a penalty. You know, it looked to be decent. And do you know what? What I'd also say kind of symbolises it was a changing of an error. You go back to 2008 or 09 or something and imagine Barcelona were trailing in the Champions League and they needed to get something out of the game. They're not taking off PK and Busquets. They did in this game. You get it. So time catches up with everyone and we more so I'd probably back 
Juventus to turn it around and be, you know, reinvent their squad a bit better. Because I, I wouldn't even say they need reinventing. They've got depth. Barcelona's squad is just, obviously in relation to Ronaldo. Barcelona's squad, on the other hand, you've got an aging Messi who, you know, no man can defeat time as great as Messi is. If Messi retires tomorrow or leaves, Barca are even more pissed, pardon my language, than they would be. You know, Barcelona's recruitment has been terrible. You look at, to a degree, Messi and aging Messi is not having the workload shared around. There's not other people picking up the slack like what used to be Neymar. Neymar is very underappreciated at Barca, in my opinion, for that. Um, away, away, away from that as well. You've got Busquets and PK. Have they, you know, fully improved them? You know, players are going are switching off. Lynette switched off. I mean, Kuman doesn't strike me as inspiring. And surely, you know, this has probably made his job now. Barca have turned their form around a bit of recent, but it seems like Ronald Kuman is on borrowed time, people. With that, we need to remember Messi is still a great player. Lionel Messi has scored in the Prem in, in the Champions League for the 17th consecutive year, people, from 05 to 2021. That equals Raul's record, people, from 1995 to 2011. And Ronaldo, to, to show you how crazy Raul's one, people, I'm born in 95 and I finished secondary school in, 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 um, in, in 2011. So basically my whole life from nursery to infant, puberty to leaving school age 16, Raul scored in every Champions League um, campaign crazy and obviously Messi has as well so if you're born in 05 to 2021 it's a similar logic you know Raul's another bad boy footballer you know legends don't die you know they just pass the flag and like in the same way you see Messi equalizing Raul there's going to be this next brother Joe Bloggs somewhere you know there's some kid out there doesn't even know what he's about to achieve in football in the same way Kylian Mbappe there's some man that are just born to play football I think Kylian Mbappe, born to play football. Neymar, born... Some man want to be footballers, like the vast majority, but some man are born to play football, like Messi and Mbappe. I also believe Haaland. Haaland's a bit different because surely that man there was made in a lab. So before we get on to Seville's game, people, um, onto the onto the Seville game, um, just to reiterate, PSG defeated Barcelona four goals to one. FC Porto defeated Juventus 2-1, people. Crazy week. Um, speaking about Seville, when you can't, from one star boy to another, you know, shout out to Jaden Sanjo as well. Shout out to Dahoot, because that's his first Champions League goal and what a finish that was, people, from him. Um, what a finish, you know, what a finish, what a finish, you know, Jules Conde is a player I've got a lot of time for people, an absolute lot of time for, but he got absolutely destroyed at periods, you know, what I love about Haaland, the man's a cyborg, he's born to play football, he could, I think people, you know, listen, he's going to live or die by goals, he's a striker and he's seen as being a top class striker, he scores goals. But people underestimate his general play. I'm not saying he's the best in the world, but he's a very good footballer, an intelligent footballer. You know, he runs into the space sometimes when he's up, when he's not involved in play because he's intelligent. He knows where to expect the ball to be. Great goal for, you know, where Sanjo got the assist. Obviously, you know, what Arlen got two goals, one assist. I'm sure he got an assist. You know, the man's amazing. He's quick as well. He can press. And what I like as well, you know, he's six foot plus. You know, you have seen man that are six foot plus and fast. Their running style is very awkward. You know, he never breaks stride. He doesn't lose his stride. He's very graceful. You know, if you can't, any of the big clubs, if you can't get Mbappe, you have to get Haaland. If you can't get Haaland, you have to get Kylian Mbappe. It was a ridiculous game, you know. Shout out to De Hoot for scoring a bad anger as well I did think both teams conceded cheap mistakes you know a brace from Harlan and assist from Sandro a banger from De Hoot you know silly miss what was the goal I think the third goal where Roy Royce clapped it in his own half and then they counter-attacked people so Seville only have themselves to blame and they've got it all to do man crucially they've got a, they've got a building block you know if they can go to Dortmund and score two they complicate things people but Dortmund have three goals Three away goals. So that argue you could arguably say this tie is actually six two people. Seville are gonna have to be more expansive. And if they do attack, do you probably do you expect the likes of Jaden Sanjo, Royce, Haaland, De Hoot, Bellingham? Do you expect these guys not to get a goal or two? Um We'll have to see. It was also nice to see that Maury guy get, get some more minutes at fullback. Jude Bellingham's obviously one of the youngest players to obviously start a Champions League game for Dortmund. Shout out to him. He had Makoko on the bench as well, people, in that regard. So it's all to do. If we go back quickly to the PSG game, just to reiterate a couple of statistics, people. Kylian Mbappe is the third player to score a UEFA Champions League hat-trick against Barcelona after Aspirella for Newcastle and Shevchenko for Dynamo Kiev. 
both of those happened in 1997. So it's the first time in my lifetime I've seen somebody score a Champions League hat-trick against Barcelona. It's history. And I think, you know, I always judge a player on standout games. Clearly, Mbappe has standout games. We all remember what he was doing with Monaco. Did he not score in the Champions League final? But I think he hasn't really got those moments where... You know, when you think of Messi, you think of out jumping Rio Ferdinand or 27 to 2011. When you think of Cristiano Ronaldo, you think of the, the Champions League against Chelsea and the numerous for Real Madrid and performances along the way, people. When you think Thierry Henry didn't win it at Arsenal, but you think of how he pulled Arsenal along. I have to use Henry. I think Kylian Mbappe needs these highlight individual performances. And I think now that's one of those. When you say Kylian Mbappe... Ten years on now, when when you're chilling with your friends, you be like, "Hey, you remember that great that hat trick against the New Camp?" Instantly, man, already knowing what you're talking about. We might not speak about how good Verratti was on the night, and as someone who's got fellow short man syndrome, it was lovely seeing him fly into tackles. We might re not remember, you know, how good Verratti was. You know what thing he was on as well. Um, not, who's the other one who played well? Um, Paredes. We might forget about these. You might, you know, I forget Messi scored a penalty. We might forget Griezmann missed a tapping. You know, there was even controversial moments from both keepers, really. You know, in it and whatnot. Both of them had hearts in their mouths. To be fair, to Stegen saved Barcelona a bit, but standout moments. With that, Mbappe is the only the second player in the European Cup slash Champions League to score an away brace against Barcelona in the knockout rounds, people. You know, the other person other than that, it was in 1959-1960 in the semi-final. Um, you know, a Real Madrid player did it, people. And I'll give you a clue. There's an award named after him, Puskas. So, there it is there. Of the players with 20 or more goals in the Champions League, people, Mbappe has netted the highest portion in away games, 68%. I remember when there was a whole lot of noise made about his lack of Champions League goals. PSG scored in their 20th consecutive Champions League away game. Only Real Madrid have had a longer streak, people. Just thought I would mention that, people. And also, Messi's penalty was his 20th of the season for Barcelona all comps. That's his 13th season, 13th consecutive season. He scored 20-plus for the club, you know. He scored in the Champions League for 17 consecutive seasons. He has scored 20-plus goals for 13 consecutive seasons. I mean, come on. Champions League was elite this week. I can't even cap people, um, if I'm completely honest with you. Away from that, though, you know, big up, big up them. And going back to the, to the Dortmund game, like I said, it was a fantastic game as well. At 17 years of age and 233 days, Borussia Dortmund's Jude Bellingham is the youngest ever English player to start a game in knockout stages of UEFA Champions League. Um, you know, he's representing. De Hoot has scored his first Champions League goal, people, with what was his 26th shot in the competition. 25 of those 26 attempts have been from outside the area. And, you know, it's all of, everybody focuses on the shots you score, not on the ones you don't, not on the ones you don't make. And that, that typifies it, people. More Haaland propaganda. You know, the man's a cyborg, a Norwegian cyborg, born in a lab. That You know, you don't even see a motion for it. The man's a cold-hearted killer on a football field. I love Haaland. Um, he has 17 goals in 13 Champions League appearances. I think he's already got more than Ronaldinho, who wasn't necessarily prolific. Um, he's netted against all eight opponents he's faced in the competition. So there's not a side he hasn't slain people. Again, Demandere, Kylian Mbappe and Haaland... I don't know if they're going to match Messi and Ronaldo in it in terms of accolades, in terms of how they carry the teams, in terms of just simply how good they were. But these two are the flag bearers. Now, there's obviously other players that are going to complicate things. <coughs> Bakayo Saka. But you get the point, people now playing. But he, he, bro, he, football is ridiculous. And each and every every couple of years, yeah, you always hear talk about wonder kid this, wonder kid that. And that, that, that thing is thrown around too often. But every now and again, you get these Haaland's, you get these Mbappe's. And I've spent the last 20-odd minutes waffling on about them. And I, I, listen, this is for the real football fan. If you understand ball, you understand why I've got so much to say on them, people. You know, um, you know, Haaland has scored 17 goals in 13 appearances. He's netted against all opponents he's faced. You know, only Lewandowski with 18 has scored more than the new, new region in the competition since the start of last season. So if I'm a striker, I want to be the best. But if I've scored against all the teams I've played in this competition, if I've scored 17 goals in 13 and the only person above me is another clinical striker who's significantly more experienced than Lewandowski I must be doing something right um, Haaland has scored 10 goals in just 7 appearances in the Champions League for Dortmund people he's the quickest that's the quickest you know the quickest a player has ever reached 10 goals for a team in a competition was a certain player for Bayern Munich in his 10 game period between 2003-2004 Makai 
I know a lot of you remember Roy. What a player. Um, away from that though, people, and you had Bar you had RB Leipzig against Liverpool. Liverpool won 2 nil. Now, domestically, the Premier League hasn't been kind to Liverpool, but they've got some sort of face to save here. You know, they got two away goals and I know the ties are being played in neutral venues and I even saw courtesy of the Athletic, you know, Liverpool's second tie leg could potentially be played in anywhere, but anywhere of eight cities. So, I do think clubs have been dealt a short hand you know us Liverpool even United because they keep changing where we're playing we're playing in whole leap of places but Liverpool will take that two goal lead it's basically a four nil when you look at the goal when you look at um, the away goals again Leipzig do have quality you do have to be careful but they've shot themselves in the foot you look at Sebitsa and Opomakano you know is linked with Arsenal and Spurs I would love Sebitsa at the club among others you know Opomakano is, is, is a Bayern Munich player forgive me if I'm wrong I'm sure if the spotlight was on those players and maybe if, if there wasn't other attention with other games, people would have seen those mistakes. You know, it's a silly slip from Opomakano for Mane's goal. It's a silly pass from Sibitsa to lead to Salah's goal. I'm not sure either player is going to care. You know, Salah and Mane on the score sheet, you know, gives them a bit of joy, gives them a bit of confidence getting back in relation to the Premier League in that the job is only at the halfway point, but they did what they needed to do, people. Um, Liverpool's Thiago, you know, he might not, you know, it's it's be it's a mystery how Liverpool are failing to really win when he features in the chat in the Premier League. But he has now enjoyed a win in each of his last eleven Champions League appearances. People, that's the joint longest run of wins by a Spaniard in the competition of the history in the history of the competition. Mane has scored twenty goals in all European competitions for Liverpool, becoming only the fifth player in the club's history to reach the total. Among all players within the top five European leagues, only Robert Lewandowski with thirty has scored more goals in all competitions this season than Liverpool's Mohamed Salah with twenty-four. It was it's been a it's been a crazy week, people, in relation to the Champions League. Um, so yeah, man, it was it's been crazy. And again, you've got man, you've got Man City, you've got Chelsea, you've got Chelsea against. Atletico, you've got Lazio against Bayern Munich, you've got Gladbach, Borussia much and Gladbach against Manchester City, you've got Atlanta against Real Madrid all next week, so it's bound to be an interesting one, really and truly, to be honest with you people, um, very interesting, very, very interesting, and you know, the Champions League's the bread and the butter, but it has nothing on the Europa League, people, there's a lot of goals in the Champions League, there's hella talking points, everyone and their nan's got something to say about killing Mbappe and Haaland, they ain't got nothing on 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 Bukayo Saka. Anyways, and like you saw, people, a total of 59 goals were scored across the 16 UEFA Europa League ties in the last 32. That's the most in a single evening of knockout round action since the rebrand of the competition, people, in 09-010. Let's start with my club, Arsenal. Now, do you want the positives? End of the day, you know, Benfica won, Arsenal won. We didn't lose considering we had to come from a goal behind. We've got a vital away goal. So what can I say? There's a platform. We've got an advantage. I do back us to turn this around in the second leg. That being said, I did do think we flattered Benfica greatly. You know, I I, I admire Benfica. They switched the brave decision from their manager Jesus. You know, he's got pedigrees. Won the Copa Libertadores. Um, I sounded like a true South American saying that, man. I need to learn Portuguese or Spanish or something. But he's won the Copa Libertadores. Um, so nice. I'd say it twice. Um, probably didn't even say it right. But he's won that. He's a good tactician. And there's a lot of pressure on Benfica. So I saw them switch to three at the back. Tactically, I think they were compact, they were narrow, they limited us in the first half to really playing in front of them. They were narrow and rigid to break down when we were in their half. They limited the space, they played a lot of offside, they played us offside a lot of times. We had 10 odd offsides, people. Some of those were marginalised, but still, we couldn't break them down, which is, you know, when I look at games against Palace, games against Villa, whether we play well-drilled sides, defensive sides, or sides able to play low blocks, we can't break them down. We struggled in that regards, people. We really did. Bukayo Saka saves us again and he weren't amazing by his own standards but it just shows you how over-reliant we are on these young players we named an unchanged lineup, and you did I can't lie I had no complaints apart from maybe Pepe starting and nitpicking like that you did see fatiguing towards the end of the game and I would say, you know, the boys are out there playing. They know what they're doing right and wrong. But I do think Arteta let me down with the timing of the substitution. He's brought on Martinelli and Pepe where there's really nothing to, to go with. It looked, Listen, 
you can't always you sometimes you just have to concede that it's half time and and there's still a lot of football to be played but it did look like we didn't want to get that second it did look like we were throwing in the white towel and considering I heard Arteta say we've learned learned from our mistakes of last year we haven't because we haven't oh the reason we were out to Olympiacos we didn't take our chances and kill the team off yes you focus on Aubameyang's missed chance a year ago or Leno switching off which are factors but prior to that it shouldn't get to that point where we're focusing nitpicking at them the same way I shouldn't have to focus Focus on Aubameyang missing because we should have scored plenty of goals. As good as I, I feel Benfica was, and as much as admiration I have for their system and you know how they put in a performance, we flattered them. You know we've defeated ourselves really, really and truly. Saying that, you know Aubameyang's got to score, got to score. You know Saka should have scored before that as well. Um, you know Aubameyang's got to score. Don't know how he missed that, especially coming off a hat trick. But again, we need to do a bit more. So it was very disappointing. I wouldn't say there was a man of the match for me, but I think Gabriel did all right. I think Tierney in his little cameo off the bench showed what he's on. Cedric put in his shift. I think Sabal's had a really encouraging game, personally. Um, you know, so it is, it is well, it is. Smith Rowe looked a bit tired. All the guards one was encouraging. We know we're going to Manchester City on Sunday. Boy, I expect to see Lacazette, Pepe, potentially Martinelli start. I do think we'll see um, Aubameyang. I think... Players are looking tired now, man. Players are looking tired. We have to manage our players very sensibly, really and truly. Like I said, the only saving grace I could say is that we've got a point. You know, prior to me finding out Leicester drew, it was appearing disappointing because we'll get into it. But Man United dealt with the business. Spurs dealt with the business, you know, giving themselves a good platform. There's still a lot to be said. You know, for me, we got an away goal and Benfica have to be a bit more attacking than they were in this leg, purely because if it stays level... um next game and it's a nil-nil draw we go through on the silly away goals rule so they have to be a bit expansive so in that regards I do think Arsenal could score that being said if Ben I do think Benfica could score against us so it's all to play for and as you know it's at the halfway point but we didn't do all we could to kill this game and we shot ourselves in the foot um, only Bayern Leverkusen have scored more goals in this season's Europa League than Arsenal and Benfica with 20 and 18 respectively so there probably was going to be goals in this in this side two cheap mistakes from both it was nice obviously the only benefit is the away goal and the fact of we scored literally a minute after conceding you know shout out to Aubameyang it was involved Odegaard was as well Cedric's obviously the one who crosses it for Saka don't know why the ref I felt the ref had a fair game don't know why he tried to think Saka's one was offside it is what it is um, Odegaard um, had a pass percent accuracy of 92% and made three key passes to be fair with you I think many of the times the players weren't they could see he was making a run they wouldn't pass it to him you know um, and at times he's making he's playing passes and it didn't always come off but I like his bravery Arsenal and clean sheets a lot is made about us improving defensively but you know Arsenal have kept just three clean sheets in our last 13 Europa League matches we had just seven shots last last night people at half-time, we had three shots, one on target. And again, we're confusing having a lot of possession with controlling the game. You don't shoot, you don't score. Ask questions, you know. You didn't really ask questions of Vertonghen and Otamendi. Though a couple of times the ball did go over the top, Otamendi looked suspect. Clearly, you can see Jan Vertonghen, all he wanted to do was kick Saka and we could have exploited these. We didn't test them enough, people. We had 10 offsides as well. The most in the game since November 2013, people. We rely on Bakayo Saka. Saka's been involved in 10 goals, between including goals and assists this season. Only Lacazette with 13 and Aubameyang with 12 can say more than the 19-year-old um, people. I've actually just scrolled all the way down and forgot and, and lost a bit while I was reading the statistics to you lot, people. Arsenal have progressed from 13 of their previous 16 knockout ties in, in major UEFA competition when either drawing or losing the first away leg from home. Though one of their eliminations did come at this exact stage last season versus Olympiacos, people. Um, only Bruno Fernandes has scored more UEFA Europa League goals since the beginning of last season than Benfica's Pizzi, who scored from the penalty spot, um, you know, after um, Smith-Rowe's handball. Um, he's got nine. Seven of his goals have come this campaign. Since the start of last season, Saka, at 19 years and 166 days, is the youngest Premier League player to have reached double figures for goals and assists across all competitions. 16 assists, 10 goals. Absolute lovely footballer. Bukayo Saka. So it's a disappointing night depending on how you look at it. Manchester United, there was a lot of talk about Real Sociedad. Our Man United for the last couple of games, they've not done too well against Spanish opposition. You know, that prior to the game, they were winless in their last nine European matches against Spanish opponents, losing six and drawing three since they beat Celta Vigo in 2016-17 in the semi-finals of this competition. 
Either way, United put them to the sword. What can you say? United slaughtered Sociedad, people. Absolutely butchered Sociedad. You know, Bruno on the score sheet. You know it's a good day when Dan James is scoring, people. You know, really, really and truly. You know, they absolutely slaughtered them, you know, 4-0. You know, and that's four away goals. So the tie's essentially eight. So Real Sociedad, while they've been performing relatively well in La Liga, it's over. Like, it's over. It's never over to the fact Lady Sings. But, you know, it's a madness. And... You know, whenever there's an inquest in relation to how Manchester United are scoring goals, you'll always find Bruno Fernandes not far from the scene of the crime. Bruno Fernandes got a brace. I really enjoyed Marcus Rashford's finish. Um, Dan James got on the score sheet in the 90th. And, and it was interesting to hear Bruno Fernandes say that assist was an accident. He probably tried to go for the hat-trick. Um, obviously, obviously, people. So it is what it is in that regards. Obviously, three goals came in the second half. So it is what it is. Maybe I'm sure United fans would say maybe they could have done a bit better. Marcus Rashford has scored seven goals in European competition this season for Manchester United. Excluding qualifiers, this is the most by an Englishman in a season for Manchester United since Bobby Charlton scored eight in the 1964-65 Fairs Cup, people. Um, Bruno Fernandes has been directly involved in 52 goals in 58 games in all competitions for Manchester United. 19 assists, 33 goals. Some strikers would bite your hand off for that. This man's been a complete signing across and shows his quality across all competitions and I feel I feel the next stage of Bruno Fernandes is to start having these level this quality of influence on the game when you haven't necessarily scored I do think he's got more to his game than this but he's a fantastic player and in a day and age midfielders don't score enough I think you you got to respect it man he's a dying breed you know um Really and truly, you know, he's crazy, bro. That's, you know, his in relation to those 52 goals in 58 games in all comps for Man United, 19 assists and 33 goals. That's 10 more than any other Premier League player since he made his debut in February last year. A year ago, people, essentially. You know, Bruno's only been there a year. Football's a long time. A week's a long time in football. So you can imagine a year, but it feels like he's been part of the furniture forever. And it's testament to Bruno, you know, his technical ability, he scores goals. The mentality, when I hear him speak, when I see him on the field, he, he's a Man United man in terms of ability. I think he, on ability, he could play under Alex Ferguson. But if you didn't know anything, it's the, it's the mentality. Bruno has scored eight goals across all European competitions for Manchester United since his European debut for the club in February last year. Only Inter Milan's Lukaku has netted more and Lukaku's got 11. Considering he's a striker, that's pretty decent. And obviously, you know, Ahmad Diallo made his debut. You know, I'm keen to see what he has to offer in the United sense. You know, I see a lot of him for Atlanta. I think he's a player with a good future. Um, Solskjaer said he's getting closer and closer to his minutes by the day. That is why we felt towards the end when we were free all up to go and let him enjoy his first 10 minutes for the club. We'll make a decision on his first start after... Newcastle on Sunday he's had a couple of games in the reserves and there's still a few players on the bench that would want to start of course but Ahmed is getting closer we'll see how much game time he will get so he'll probably get a couple more minutes against Newcastle and I'd expect him to start in the second leg of this tie at home you know United have that 4-0 cushion they won't rotate heavily um, you know, I I would like to see the likes of him you know Shola 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 travelled as well been on the, the um been on the, the the lips of many Man United fans since he was probably fourteen and doing bits in the milk cup just a couple of years um older than that. He's now eighteen. He travelled. Obviously, I expect to see Hannibal involved. You know, the the lad they signed from Monaco in the first team. They've got some real good players. You know, chomping at the bit at Man United. Now you've got to be careful and give the guys time and stuff. But United could have some real quality wide options. You know, Brashford's doing his thing out there. Diallo's there. Obviously, they sent the Uruguayan U on loan. Um, to develop and they've got a couple of younger players waiting in the wings <laughs> pardon the pun um, so yeah business as usual for United clean sheet four goals platform to build upon job done essentially at the halfway point across this two-legged tie now people Bale still couldn't get 90 minutes but Bale grabbed the goal and got an assist I enjoyed his assist for Son's goal Son also got on the score sheet the two Brazilians in Vicinius Jr this is his he is Mr Europa League in my opinion when you speak of um um, Vicinius, um, Vicinius in relation to Spurs obviously Mora got on the score sheet now you'd expect them to win some of the goals they scored were good from a Spurs standpoint but you know that you could evidently see the quality of Wolfsburg or the Austrian side don't can't chat to them Probably Jose's probably not happy they conceded a clean they kept they couldn't keep a clean sheet, but it's job done. You can't rule out anyone. Obviously, there's Spurs. Of course I hope that Wolfsburg will turn it around and embarrass Spurs, but the job's done. You know, the job is done. It's 4-1, business as usual. 
daring to the last 16, advancing from the last 32, in my opinion. You know, the last time Bell grabbed a goal and an assist in a game for Spurs people was in 2013. I'm sure they didn't want him to do it against Pro Evo sides. I have to, I, you know, I'm sure they didn't bring him back and spent 20 million on loan for him to do against these made up be a pro sides and Pro Evo sides. But it is what it is. I've got to slander him, Spurs fans. I have to. Excluding qualifiers, Son Hu Min is the fourth Spurs player to score 20 European goals after Harry Kane, who has 29. Martin Shivers and Jermaine Defoe with 22 and 20 are there as well for the Spurs fans. So like like Spurs, business as usual. Um, like United, sorry, business as usual for Spurs. Leicester drew nil-nil in their game, people. Um, so again, like Arsenal, very frustrating, especially because Leicester against Slavia were the away side. Olympiacos defeated PSG four goals to two. Dynamo Kiev and Club Bruges drew 1-1. Young Boys defeated Leverkusen 4-3. Um, Red Star and AC Milan drew 2-2 and there was a sending off in that game. Braga lost 2-0 against um, Roma. You know, Dzeko got on the score sheet um, and things like that. That was an interesting game. Away from that, the most interesting game for me would be Leo versus Ajax because Timothy Weyer scored in the 72nd minute and thought to probably clinch it before a late penalty from Tadic and Brian Bobley, who allegedly is going to leave Ajax, the young academy player, represented by Mino Rinola. Um, scored, you know, they scored their last two goals. Their last two goals came two minutes of each other in the dying three minutes of the game, people. Penny in the 87th, a, a, a goal, the winner in the 89th. That was the game there, people. Krasnodar, two, Dynamo Zagreb, three. So Dynamo Zagreb won 3-2 against Krasnodar. Um, Benfica and Arsenal obviously drew 1-1. Hoffenheim and Mulder drew 3-3. So there was a lot of goals collectively in Europe and in the Europa League, people. This is the main competition. Um, Shakhtar the next defeated Tel Aviv, two goals to nil. Bro, and speaking of mad games, you know, I'm sure you... I only watched the highlights, of course, but I'm sure you all saw Antwerp versus Rangers, you know. 4-3 Rangers, penalties, red cards, all heap of things, people. You know, 38th minute, Rangers take the lead. 45th is 1-1. 48th, added on time, is 2-1. 59th is 2-1. It's 2-2 Antwerp Rangers, you know. 66th is 3-2 is 3-2 Antwerp. 83 is 3-3. By the 90th, is 4-3. Rangers 4, Antep 3, and I'm sure Steven Gerrard's heart rate has probably still not been reset. Same goes for Rangers fans. That's a madness. Great game for the neutrals, I'd guess, but not so much for them. And again, four away goals, people. Four away goals. Now, hopefully that game is more of the same and um, things like that. Can't believe the amount of goals I was seeing in the second half. Um, I would call this an upset as well. I'd say Granada defeated Napoli 2-0. Um, that's an upset for me. I didn't think that would happen. Salzburg lost 2-0 against Una Emre's Villarreal. So, Una Emre versus Arsenal is still on. Jose Mourinho against his former club in the final um, against Man United is still on. A North London derby for the final is still on. There's still a whole lot of things. But Salzburg lost 2-0 against Villarreal. And I'm sure Pacquiao Alcantara missed a penalty in that game based on the highlights. So, it's all to do. We'll wait until next week, people. Um, Spurs are playing on the Wednesday next week, people, which I thought it was exclusively on Thursdays. They've probably, you know, that's probably down to their own fixture schedule. So it is what it is in relation to that, people. That's your role, league. We've been there for a minute. Obviously, Burnley and Fulham drew 1-1 in the midweek games. Um, I'm sure you all saw Phil Foden, Mares, probably the man of the match, but between Phil Foden, Mares, and Bernardo Silva, they all made sure that, you know, Manchester City defeated Everton three goals to one and they're now 10 points clear of the Premier League in February. Phil Foden, another day, another goal, another good performance from him. I feel personally it was the Mahrez show. Obviously, Richarlison got Everton back into it at 1-1 before, obviously, Bernardo and Mahrez, you know, showed what they're on again, people, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah. Um, so yeah, it is what it is, man. And with that, Everton have lost three consecutive home league games for the first time since March 2016, people. You'd have to go back, you know. You know, when you look at it, Carlo Ancelotti, you'd have to go back to his time, his first time in charge of AC Milan, you know, around 2006, people, when he last went through this. Manchester City are now 10 points clear at the top of the table. The only two teams to fail to go on and win the title, having held a lead of 10 plus points, was Newcastle 95-96 and Manchester United 97-98. Now, who won the year, the league that year, people? 
<coughs> if you know, you know. Sadly, what happened the next year. <laughs> but anyways, people, you know, it's Manchester City's to lose. And I think Pepper's done all he can to remind people of who the hell he is and how bad he is and what he's given to football. You know, the table doesn't lie. Ten points clear. You know, disappointed they didn't keep, keep a clean sheet, I'm sure. But generally defending, the probably the best in terms of defending in the league. Scoring how Looper got Leaper goals. Individuals are shining. They're doing what they need to do, people. You know, when you look at it, Manchester City, and we've got to play them, people, which scares me. Haven't They haven't trailed, trailed sorry, for a single minute in any of their last 16 Premier League games, people. The only team with a longer run... Um, of games without falling behind in Premier League history is a certain team between 1998, December of that year, and May 99. I'll give you a clue. It's the team I support, people. Of that as well, Arsenal, Manchester City have won their first top 10 top flight matches in, 20, in 2021. That's their longest ever winning run by a team. That's the longest ever winning run by a team from the start of a calendar year in the top flight history. You know, Mahrez does love playing at Goodison, people. All four Premier League goals Mahrez has scored against Everton have all come at Goodison Park. Against no side has he scored more goals on the on the road in the competition. The only players to score more top flight league goals under Pep Guardiola in his managerial career before turning 21 was both Bojang and Gab Jesus with 16. You know, Foden's got 12, so he's only four behind them people. Make of that what you will. So, yeah, man, you know, what can I say other than, you know, the most disappointing thing you can say with Man City is they keep they, they fail to keep the clean sheet, but they go marching on people. It's as simple as that. So, as you lot know, the games are getting quick, are getting... I get are coming faster and faster, people. Um, if we look at it, people, the games to come tonight, we've got Wolves against Leeds. That's going to be an interesting one. Nuno against Bielsa. Wolves have won each of their last four league games against Leeds, people. So that's going to be an interesting one to kick off football. And that's Friday today at 8 p.m. Tomorrow, 12.30, you've got Southampton, Hassan Hutu's side, welcome Chelsea. You know, Tuchel's had a good start to the season and near enough complete and perfect run. Southampton have lost their last five home games against Chelsea people. That's their longest losing run against a specific opponent in league history. Chelsea haven't failed to win either of their league meetings with Southampton in the season since 2014-15. Southampton has lost 24 games against Chelsea. Only against United with 28 have they lost more in the competition, people. Southampton has lost each of their last six Premier League games, conceding 20 goals in the process. It's their longest losing run in the club's entire Football League history, people. While Chelsea have only lost two of their last 28 away matches on the South Coast. So make of that what you will. Burnley play West Brom, you know, West Brom, Burnley indirectly could be in a relegation race. Burn, West Brom, sorry, definitely are, so I'm sure they want to take full points. You've got the Merseyside derby, people. You've got Everton against Liverpool. Everton lost midweek. They've lost three consecutive games. Liverpool are struggling, you know, it's sixth versus seventh. Liverpool are on 40 points. Again, goal difference makes a lot. But if Everton were to win this, they draw parity. While the likes of Aston Villa and Spurs, they can't go ahead of Liverpool. But if Liverpool fail to take full points, at best, they could be a point behind them. You know, and even Arsenal could be a three points behind them if in the unlikely event we did beat Manchester City. So Liverpool need to get back to winning. And West Ham and Chelsea, depending on what happens in their game, they're both ahead of Liverpool in fourth and fifth place, respectively, on 42 points apiece, could make ground. So... I want Everton to win, but I back I back Liverpool to do the job, people, really and truly. I want to see an update, an uptake, an um, an upset, people, and an uptake in the performance from Everton. You know, the last Merseyside derby where I believe Liverpool won off the top of my head was the last one in a while, I think, actually was a good game and not a dream seller. I do think this is probably the most overrated derby in the Premier League, but... You know, Liverpool are unbeaten in the last 23 meetings with Everton in all competitions. That's their longest unbeaten run against any opponent in their history. Likewise, Everton are winless in their last 20 Premier League games against Liverpool, losing 8 and drawing 12. These records have to stop sometime and this is probably the best time to play Liverpool. Um, and as you don't know, Liverpool versus Everton is the most drawn fixture in the Premier League. 24 of the meetings between these two teams have ended level. Everton haven't won any of their last 20 away games against Liverpool people. You have to thank a former Arsenal player Kevin Campbell for striking in September 1999, the last time they did that. Liverpool are flirting with losing four consecutive league games, people. The first time, you know, the first time since, if that does happen, be the first time over uh, under Jurgen Klopp, and it'll be the first time since de December 2002 under former manager manager Gerard Houllier. 
You've got Fulham against Sheffield United as well. You've got a, a London derby, West Ham. Again, like I said, fifth place West Ham against ninth, ninth place Spurs. I'm sure West Ham will want to continue their great season. West Ham have lost each of their last three home games against Spurs people, which I'm sure they want to put right. None of the last 11 meetings between these two sides people have ended level, so there's bound to be a lot to be said. West Ham have won 42 points from 24 games this season. That's their best at this stage in a top flight campaign since 1985-86. So it's the first time in my lifetime. Spurs have lost four of their last five Premier League games. So on one hand, form goes out the window. On one hand, it's anyone's guess. But on the other hand, you know, there you could say statistically, maybe West Ham might even be the favourites. You've got Newcastle United travelling to Manchester Manchester United on Sunday, um, which is going to be an interesting game. I'd expect Manchester United to win that. I'll obviously be watching young Joel Willock. You know, he had a tough game like everybody against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Man United is a big pitch. You're going to be the underdogs. Can you do something in that game? I've seen Newcastle get a result at Old Trafford against United in recent years. You know, United have probably been better away from home than they have been at home. So maybe that gives you some benefit. You've got Brighton against Crystal Palace and Zaha has been speaking about wanting to move. You've got Aston Villa against against Leicester City, bound to be an interesting one. The game of the week, you know, Sunday, you've got Arsenal against Manchester City. 10th place Arsenal welcome Manchester City, who are winning the league right now. 10 points clear in first, 56 points. You know, you saw what they've been doing. You know, they're keeping clean sheets. They're blitzing every side in front of them. Individuals are playing well. You know, Gundogan's playing well. Mares is playing well. Falden's playing well. Kevin De Bruyne allegedly is fit. Gundogan will be fit according to Pep Guardiola. I'm shook. I just want to see, simply put, I don't want to bore you lot, people. I want to see credibility and performance. I want to see respectable scoreline. I would love to win. I want to see, play the occasion, don't play the team. You know, if there's a chance to, don't sit there and think, oh, the City players, they're so good, they've got a great manager. Try and beat them. But it's about the respect in the performance, you know. It's almost a free hit in that we need to pick up points. But it's all about the performance. I'll, I'll take losing one or two nil. You know, I'll take, not that I want to, but I'll take that. Because, you, you know, the teams are a massive golfing class. Hopefully, Arteta can do us a job. You know, he has beat them in the FA Cup. Hopefully, Pep can allow us, man. You're 10 points clear, man. That can cut to seven for a week. Allow it, man. When you look at it, people, you know, you can't have much joy. It's a simple... The stats are there. You know, Arsenal have lost their last seven league meetings against Man City. The Gunners have only ever lost more consecutively against Leeds. That was in 1973, 1976. Boy, I, I think it's going to be eight. I back my team. I support my team. But it's looking mad, people. Man City are unbeaten in their last 10 Premier League meetings against us, people. They've scored at least twice in, the, in, in nine of those games, people. Since, obviously, losing 2-1 in 2015 um, against us, people. Um, Arsenal failed to score in their last three home games against Man City. And we've lost every time. As we know, we lost 4-1 in, 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 when we played them at the Emirates already this season, people, in the League Cup competition. Arsenal have won just three of their last 18 Premier League games against the side starting the day in the top spot, losing 11, drawing four and winning three. So as tough as it is, you've got to show that you can play the league champions and put in a performance, you know. I, if they are to beat us, the minimum I'd say, I want to see why they're, why Pep Guardiola is such a good manager, why they're winning the league by 10 points. I don't want us to just sit there and give them cheap goals. Go out there, they're world-class, borderline, world-class, top-class players. Go and make them play like that. Because if we lose to the better men where it's got to a point where we've saw some individual brilliance, cool. I don't want to sit here and talk about switching off, not following runners. Because that's what's going to happen. You know, against Wolves, against Southampton, against a couple of these teams, even when we've won, we've given away too much opportunities. And the cheap goals we've been given, like, given away, like against Benfica or not killing off games, you know, Man City are the worst team to play in that regards. They will exploit that. So we're going to need to get our act together and get our act together fast. Hopefully I'm here on... On Tuesday, I say Tuesday because Brighton versus Crystal Palace is on Monday. So the next DG podcast will be on Tuesday, people. Um, in positive spirits. But I can't, you know, it is what it is in that regards firmly, people. We'll have to see what happens. Away from that, and in other news, people, I'm sure you've all seen, the National League will carry will carry on for the remainder of the season. But the North and South divisions have been declared null and void, obviously owing to, to COVID. More than two weeks after four resolutions to decide how to end the season were sent by the league to member clubs, the threshold for making a decision was finally reached, even though not all the votes have been received. So apparently some clubs were voting for it, some were against it, and some weren't for it. So when you look at it, 
Seven out of 23 clubs voted to end the season. So that's clearly not the majority. So what's happened there? But while the majority of the North National League South clubs voted to continue its season, 12 to 9, fewer counterparts in the National League North felt the same, 7 to 15. And the decision to scrap the campaign with immediate effect was taken. 21 games in the North and South leagues have been played over the past fortnight. Clubs, you know, so I feel sorry for these clubs because now the match day fees and whatnot that you might get, you know, that you've had to invoke, they're unnecessary because it's been it's been void, null and void. Void. Obviously, footballers, people are going to lose clubs. You know, clubs are going to have to cut costs, and people have just been cheated off. Fans can't follow the clubs that they support. Players can't play for the clubs that they play for. It's as simple as that. It's sad, people, and. You know, hopefully as many footballers don't lose their careers as possible. Um, Gareth Bale, you know, it hasn't been the return to Spurs many people sp spoke of. And, you know, when you when you when you when you look at it slyly, people, many people are probably playing coy in relation to, to Gareth Bale's future. His, his, his agent hasn't ruled out going back to Real Madrid, you know, and, you know, a lot of that's probably with Zidane. You know, if you're Zo if you're Jovic, Luka Jovic, Danny Ceballos, Odegaard, your futures appear unclear, but you could have futures at Madrid if Zidane was to leave because you don't seem in favoured. You know, Gareth Bell's agent has said he still loves Madrid. He hasn't any problems with the club. It's a wonderful club. It wouldn't be a problem for him to return. They just have to decide if they need him back, if he can play for Madrid and all these things. I guess you have to ask Mr Zidane if he wants him. I don't think so. They have a good relationship. There is no problem. It's journalists who... Uh, this is in relation to Jose as well, mind you. It's journalists who create the problem, but there's no problem. We expected him to play more. Things haven't gone that well, but the team haven't gone as good as well. So the team's been poor. Bell hasn't been fit and Bell probably hasn't hit the heights Jose and Spurs expected. You know, we all know it wasn't going to be the same Gareth Bell, but I'm pretty sure you wasn't... It wasn't going to be this underwhelming. And I do think, you know... It's probably the the worst signing of the season right now, really, because they've you know his best performances have come in Europa. As much as I love Gareth Bell, as much as an Arsenal fan can, it just has been poor, really and truly. Um, so there isn't anything else in that regards. I've really enjoyed this podcast, people. We've reviewed the Champions League in the Europa and the couple of Premier League games. We've previewed the Premier League games to come. We've touched on the National League. We've touched on Bale. You know, there hasn't, there isn't much, too much other news to be said, people. So on that note, I'm going to get out of here. Please make sure you hit the follow button on Apple and on Spotify and the rest of it so you never miss out on a notification for the DG podcast. Links to all my socials are in the descriptions. Deludaguna004 and everything. Twitch Deludaguna187. Snapchat Deludaguna. Dguna04. If you're not going to follow me on anything, follow follow me on Twitter and Clubhouse. Deludaguna04. And you know I do this stuff on YouTube. And there'll be some content today as well as whenever. So make sure you're checking everything. You know I'm a bit of an all-rounder. There's content, different content for everybody. So on that note, I'm going to keep it moving. I'm going to get out of it. It's been a fantastic podcast. I hope you've all had a good week. I hope you all enjoy your Friday and have a good weekend. And yeah, God bless. I'm out, people. DG.